here. We are Locked On NFL. We're taking you around the league daily on the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one daily sports podcast network. I'm Brian Peacock alongside the scout Matt Williamson. We got to recap these Sunday games. Tons of great games happening in the afternoon and Sunday night football. I think maybe we should lead with Sunday night just because it's the freshest in my mind right now. But uh, I do really want to talk Titans and Chiefs as well with you, Matt. First, before we get into that, I want to remind everybody you can subscribe to this show and all of your favorite podcast apps, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. You can find me on Twitter at BD Peacock. You can follow Matt at Williamson NFL. Let's get to Vikings and Cowboys, Matt. First of all, like how many ridiculous catches were in this game? It was entertaining. It really was. And a couple things to really take away from that game was it looked, it had a sort of a playoff feel to it. And I, I get on Jason Garrett and he makes things hard for his team sometimes. I mean, it, it was pretty clear to me that the Vikes were going to crowd the line of scrimmage, take away the run, come after Dak, make him make tough decisions. And he was more than up for the task. He was phenomenal last night. And I think he's an underrated player overall. But Garrett still is running the ball on first down. You know, like, you don't have to do what you do. And Dak's bailing him out on third and seven, you know, time, time again. That maybe if you threw the ball down the field on first and ten against an eight-man front, you wouldn't have been in this situation to begin with. But that doesn't take away from the Vikes. Um, I do think their corners are a problem. Uh, I like their edge guys. That was a good matchup against the Cowboy tackles. Dalvin Cook looks as great as ever. And a nice game by Cousins. I don't mean to overlook that. Absolutely, yeah. A great game. It was a well-played game all around there. And absolutely the playoff feel. The later we get into the season, we're in Week 10 now. And uh, major implications there. The Cowboys are a team that... You know, they take two steps forward, one step back here. And the NFC East is, is so, uh, we talked about it last week with Ross Tucker, and it's just so fun. And, and that Cowboys-Eagles thing is going to go down to the wire. And it's pretty obvious that only one of those teams is getting into the playoffs. So uh, it's a big loss for the Cowboys right now, even though there's still a lot of games to play. Yeah, absolutely. And the NFC is crazy. It's a big win for the Vikes, um, keeping their head above water for sure. But yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I, I very much think the East will only have one of two teams and. The Eagles have to kind of like their situation all of a sudden. There was a tweet we got during the game that I want to run by you here from one of our listeners talking about Amari Cooper. And he was asking why, by the way, 11 catches for 147 yards and the toe-tapping touchdown for Amari Cooper in this one. He's asking, what was the difference between Oakland and Dallas for Amari Cooper? Why does he look like a, an, a world beater where he was his career looked like it was sort of stalling out in Oakland? It's not an easy you know, quick fix answer to that. I think some of it was he has mature. I mean, he just got, even if he was in Oakland, I think he'd be better now than he was two years ago. You know what I mean? Like he's progressed as a player. He gets off man coverage better now. Um, I think he flashed a lot of this ability in Oakland, but he was very up and down. Like as a Raider, he was a high variance producer. You know, like if he was in your fantasy league, you might win you the week one week and then two for 19. You know what I mean? Like, there was a lot of that. So I think he's putting it together. I think he's become better at his craft. But I also think his situation's far better, too. I mean, there was some dysfunction on those Raider teams for much of his career. And uh, I think getting out of that bad situation and did him a lot of good. 
if he was there now, I think he'd probably be just as good. I mean, if he bought into the Gruden way, I think he'd be tearing it up still. I think immediately people would want to say it's because of Dak and Derek Carr. And I do think Dak, maybe there's a little bit to it. He's a better deep ball thrower. So he's, he's better at getting yeah. the ball down the field than Derek Carr is. So that might More help. More of a risk taker. Right. So that might help his per catch numbers as well. Yeah. But he is, I mean, how many receivers would you rather have than Amari Cooper right now? Five? Something yeah. like that? I mean, he's I mean, a stud. Yeah, he's in that tier. He's, a, he's in the top tier right now. He's yeah, outproducing some of the guys that you would say on paper. Yeah, maybe I would rather have Odell, Hop- but Hopkins or yeah, Odell. Or, right, Cooper's right. way outproducing Odell Beckham right now. Yeah, it's not even close. Uh, let's move on to this Chiefs Titans game. This was a really fun one, and man, the Titans just uh, playing tough at home. Derek Henry rattling off big runs, 188 yards on the grounds, and two touchdowns. Patrick Mahomes back in action. It was nice to see him not re-dislocate his kneecap. I was a little bit worried they were rushing him back, but he looked like himself. He chucked it 50 times for 446 yards and three touchdowns in that game. Um, and it ended up being a shootout, 35-32, that the Chiefs, though, lost in Patrick Mahomes' return to the field. Yeah, and I think there's nothing wrong with Mahomes. There's certainly nothing wrong with Tyreek or Kelsey. The Chiefs' offense is going to be dominant. I have no concerns about that. Um, their line is a little banged up and not so great, especially in the run game right now, though. But really, the Titans are the story. And this has been... I've been hesitant to jump on this bo- on, on this boat, but this has been a remarkably better offense with Tannehill than Mariota. And part of me, you know, makes me wonder, why didn't he start the season? I mean, you've seen these two <laughs> guys back next to each other in practice and camp. It took you a long time to make that call. And he's obviously better more of a risk taker as well. Um, the Chiefs had the ball the majority of the game, but they still had no answer for Derrick Henry. I mean, he was just a full-grown man busting through that bad run defense. So the Chiefs O-line worries me a little bit. Their run defense worries me a lot. I look at the Titans now. All of a sudden, like, are the Titans and Steelers the wildcard teams in the AFC all of a sudden? Uh, the, the Raiders might have something to say about that. Yeah, true. I always overlook them. Yeah, the Raiders right now would lead the Titans in that AFC wild card. But yeah, it's something with that that run defense for Kansas City because even Ryan Tannehill looked like Derrick Henry, Henry when he was carrying the ball, <laughs> right. trucking guys. And we've seen it a couple of weeks in a row with Ryan Tannehill trucking people, <laughs> trucking defenders. So um, yeah, Ryan Tannehill, and he didn't have to do much with his arms. He only attempted 19 passes compared to 50 from Patrick Mahomes, completed 13 of them, but two touchdowns, some efficiency there. And Man, the Titans, again, we're t- we talked about the Dallas Cowboys, two steps forward, one step back. The The Titans are like one step back, one step forward, it seems like. And uh, this AFC thing is going to be fun. It's going to go down to the wire. Yeah, and I think the Titans have a good defense. I think they have a good makeup. I think they know who they are now. Um, they might be the best of the not um, division leaders, in my opinion. The, the best AFC potential wildcard team. Right, and they're different without Tannehill, so you have to readjust what you think that team can do now, and which is wild to think that Tannehill was the secret to having that team take the next step and get over the hump a little bit. And on the other side of things, when you were talking about Mariota and why you know they didn't go to Tannehill sooner or even seeing him in the offseason, and I think we're seeing the same thing in Chicago with Trubisky. You spend the draft pick, the guy is your franchise quarterback. It's so hard to move away from that. Yeah, and... I'm really hard on Trubisky. I mean, I think, and I don't have any reservations about that. His numbers don't look great, but I will say this was probably his best game of the year. 
And the Lions secondary is in shambles, and that defense really isn't very good, and Matthew Stafford didn't play. So, I mean, there's a lot of things going in the Bears' favor in this one to get this win. So I'm not exactly saying, boy, the Bears are back, and their <laughs> defense isn't what it used to be. But at least Trubisky in this one made four nice throws. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, game-changer throws, you know, that not everyone makes. And that's what he was last year. I mean, he was not a good quarterback last year. But he would make six plays last year, two with his feet, four really nice throws, tease you a little bit, and that was enough with that defense. I don't think that's enough now because the defense isn't where it was a year ago, especially from a pass rush perspective. And I like Montgomery a lot, but the whole world's keen on Montgomery. 2013 was the final there in Chicago with the Bears over the Lions. And as bad as Trubisky might be playing right now, yeah, he had three touchdowns in this one. He looks pretty good, and he'll tease you. I think tease is the word you use there. I think that's perfect for Trubisky. Last year, I thought he was going to be able to take that next step, and he hadn't really been able to do it this year. And say what you want about Trubisky, I'd still rather have him starting than Jeff Driscoll that the Lions had going. So that that was a rough go for Detroit. Yeah, I I hear you there. And Boy, I mean, you talk about a team that couldn't afford to lose their quarterback because right. they have no running game at all. You know, like, I, I watched that game thinking, man, Kenny Galladay should have 150 yards in this game if he had Stafford. You know, like, he was a dominant player, but nobody could get him the ball enough. And Jones is good, and Hawkinson, you know. So both these teams, unfortunately, are done. Um, tough division, tough situation. Uh, maybe you err on the side of not rushing Stafford back when it's all said and done. He's got a broken bone in his back. Yeah, that's definitely not something you want to rush back at this point in 2019 for the Lions. All right, we got a ton of games to get to. Let's move on to the rest of the Sunday schedule. Guys, do you remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up, bluechew.com. That's like blue, the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guys who want that extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. Most guys talk a good game, but if you're one and done, Blue Chew can even help you follow through for round two. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor visits. No waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made right in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use special promo code Locked On. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's Blue, B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W, BlueChew.com, promo code Locked On. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. And we thank them for sponsoring this podcast. Ravens stomped the Bengals in Cincinnati. The Bengals falling to 0-9. Draft implications with that game. 49-13, the final. Lamar Jackson doing Lamar Jackson things. Uh, Some spectacular runs. He was 15 of 17, only two incompletions as a passer for 223 yards and three touchdowns. So absurd efficiency as a thrower, making plays with his legs. Obviously, it's a bad Bengals team, and there was no letdown game for the Ravens coming off that win over the Pats last week. Yeah, and I feared, I didn't think the Bengals were going to win this game, but I feared division rival, take them lightly, 
coming off a huge win, sort of like what happened with the Falcon Saints situation, you know, that uh, the, the one team, the bad team would play up like it's their Super Bowl. But boy, I mean, Football Outsiders has a theory that great teams not only win, but they destroy bad teams. You know, that there's, it's, there's a, uh, a history shows that the best teams in the league don't just happen to get by and win against bad teams. They destroy them. And boy, did they destroy them. And I don't really want to harp on the Ravens. They were phenomenal. Very tight end centric, I thought was noteworthy. But I had to write a, bur- a blurb about every North team, AFC and NFC, for, for Yard Barker that I write for. And I did come up with a positive with the Bengals was I thought they ran the ball acceptable. You know, I mean, when you're, when, I mean, I gave the team a D minus as a grade, but I thought it was Mixon's best game and it wasn't all in garbage time. Again, prevent defenses or anything like that. So once in a while, the Bengals show you a little something, but. What a miserable year. I mean, they should not be a zero-win team. Yes. I mean, especially when we're seeing, I mean, that's a great segue into three one-win te- one teams that all won in Week 10, which blows my mind. I think the one that stands out the most is the 1-7 and seven Falcons going into New Orleans and beating the 7-1 and one Saints 26-9, to nine, not even allowing... Drew Brees and Michael Thomas and that group to score a single touchdown against a defense that we had been crushing on this show. Yeah, and I've not been nice to the Falcons either, but they are dangerous coming off a bye. This is a massive rivalry game. Um, I think it'll be by far the high water mark of the Falcons, but they have a quarterback, they have a passing game, and when right, they can rush the passer, and they did that today. So that was enough. Um, I am not going to look into this much. Uh, I heard this loss being equated kind of like to the Patriots loss last week where, you okay, guys, you might even take a step back and realize that you're just not going to moonwalk through this league and get to the Super Bowl, that a great head coach can now ream the butts of the players for a little bit, use this as a teaching tool, get everyone grounded again. And the Falcons brought everything they had, played their best game. The Saints were poor. But, like, if I was doing a power ranks tomorrow, I would not ding the Saints very much for this loss. It happens. But and it, I think it does show that the Falcons don't deserve to be maybe, you know, maybe they were a little bit better than one win coming into this thing. And yeah. they don't deserve to be grouped in with Washington and uh, the Dolphins and the Bengals and some of the teams that have, have very close records to what they have. And even with the win, they still have the same amount of wins as the Miami Dolphins. They have a quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I think that goes a long way. I do think there's something to this team playing hard to try to save their head coach's job, too. But, yeah, I mean, I think if you if you had a round-robin tournament between the Bengals, Dolphins, Jets, Giants, Washington, and Atlanta, Atlanta wins just about every time. Speaking of having a quarterback, the Colts in a rough situation right now. Brian Hoyer leading the team, and they lost at home to the Miami Dolphins. Another one-win team that got a victory on the road, 16-12, an ugly one there. Miami getting their second win, beating the Colts, who fall to 5-4. and four. Yeah, and I think Hoyer is a good backup, but he's clearly a backup. And there's times that he thinks he's greater than he is. And I also think there's something to preparing for Hoyer all week as opposed to like what Pittsburgh dealt with where you prepare for Brissett all week and then a guy gets thrown in and you know, you know takes you a little off guard. But his turnovers were bad. And that's really what I was saying about him trying to do too much at times. But man, this team without T.Y. Hilton, 
they're slow. I mean, they look like they're playing in sand. No, I agree there. And uh, I actually want to talk about one more one-win team that picked up a victory, the Battle of New York, the Jets, technically the home Ooh. team here, beating the Giants 34-27. Jets now also 2-7. and seven. The Giants falling to 2-8 and eight on this season. Uh, and the, the play of the game here was just... It was it was basically Big Brother taking the ball from Little Brother when Jamal Adams stole the ball from Daniel Jones and took it to the house. Yeah, and he's a great player. Um, if you told me on Friday this game would be 34-27, I would have put a bazillion dollars on, on Saquon Barkley and DFS or, you know, Le'Veon Bell. Like, where would the points come from? You know, no Ingram, no Shepard. And those two running backs are doing nothing lately. I mean, it's amazing. Uh, I think it was a good game for both young quarterbacks, a game both of them needed, but far from perfect. Uh, I still have a lot of hope for Darnold overall, but I I look at this and just thought it was a bad a bad level of football. Like, I'd rather have watched <laughs> Bam LSU. And speaking of Barkley, on that play, Jamal Adams ran right through Barkley, who was in pass protection, to get to Daniel Jones, and that was a bad look there. Uh, Darius Slayton. That's a little uh, dirty secret, is Barkley in protection isn't so great. Yeah, and he, he's a good pass catcher, but uh, mm-hmm. pass pro is one of the things that will get a young running back yanked off of the field if they're not good in pass pro. Darius Slayton, 121 yards and a couple of scores. He was your he's fantasy good. guy. I don't know if he was uh, plugged into most people's fantasy uh, lineups, but man, uh, he went off a little bit, showing some speed. Yeah, he was good in the preseason. He's been good every chance he's been on the field. Kind of like Stidham comes from a kind of a backwards Auburn offense, and I certainly could see him having a better pro career than college career. You know, deep threat, but has more than that to the table too. He's a good young player. Right. At this point, you've seen enough to where you have to believe that he is the guy he's showing you that he is. Yeah, I think so. We talked about how the Arizona Cardinals... Oh, yeah, you know what? Real quick, before we get to Cardinals-Bucks, the the draft implications there. So all of the teams with one win that won Sunday, that means the Bengals now... And, the, and Washington was off, so they still have one win. The mm. Bengals at 0-9 now have a two-game lead, basically, if you're looking at it as a lead, for the number one pick in the NFL draft. And since Washington has one win, but the strength of schedule, which is the first tiebreaker, is a nice gap between those two teams. The Bengals could win, and all those teams still lose next week, and they would still have the top spot. Oh, nice. They have a very comfortable lead. So, yeah, basically a two-game lead right now for the number one pick in the draft to the Cincinnati Bengals. And I guess if you're the Bengals, you'd love to see Finley end the season very strong, draft Chase Young, or trade that pick for a bevy of things. But I bet in the end, Joe Burrow returns to Ohio Ohio, and is thrown into a tough situation. And we'll see. Maybe Tua, who knows. But I, I would think that's probably a quarterback. Yeah, that big LSU-Alabama game. Joe yeah. Burrow making headlines there. And uh, that's going to be a fun one to track. Tua and Burrow for the top, the top pick of the draft. And I got to imagine they're going to go 1-2, whether it's a team trading up, like when we saw Goff and Wentz. Uh, but that's going to be a fun one that we'll talk a ton about here on this show, but we're going to focus on the, the season as the season goes along, and I'm sure we'll have our favorites there with Tua and Burrow. And I, you get the feeling the Ohio team passes on the Ohio kid, and then he comes back to haunt them like he's doing basically to <laughs> the Ohio State right now. Yeah, I think that there's a good possibility of that. And, boy, I mean – Way to go. You beat LSU or you beat Alabama. You're now the top dog in the draft. 
you get to go be a Bengal for the next 10 years, maybe. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. And they don't trade, so they're not going to trade you away. No, you're going to be, you're, you're stuck. But they're not going to pay you either. No, right. <laughs> and they won't really support you with what you need. And best of luck. Uh, all right. Let's move on to that Cards Bucks game. We've talked about how the Cardinals play teams tough. They kind of play to their opponent's level and they, they, they have done a great job of keeping games close. But in the end, they lose on the road in Tampa 30 to 27. Yeah, I've now started David Johnson twice where he's gotten me like a point or less. <laughs> and he actually That's played rough. in this game. So I'm mad at him, obviously. He was my first round pick. Um, he looks slow, too. I mean, it might be time to sit him down. He doesn't look right at all. I really like where Kyler Murray is. I think Christian Kirk is a young star in the making. Larry still does things here and there, but doesn't look like the same player. But I'm optimistic overall about this team. Um, I thought they'd end up winning this game, but they did cover, which was nice. And um, the Bucks, I don't know what to think of the Bucks. I mean, Winston, to me, is streaky, but I think people forget that he's he's only a 25-year-old kid. You know, if he could reel in some of the craziness and keep the high level of playmaking there, he may be a long-term guy. And I think it was, everyone's writing him off. They obviously have weapons. That run defense is exceptional for the Bucks. High-scoring game, kind of what we expected. My takeaway here, and it was kind of a fantasy angle, was Ronald Jones was named the starter mm, coming yeah. into the week. And then guess what? He ends up exactly even with Peyton Barber, 11 carries apiece. So he did not yeah. get the lion's share. Each one of them had a touchdown. But Jones was very heavily involved in the passing game. He led the Bucks with eight receptions, 77 yards. So that's a bonus. I guess he was on the field more, even if he didn't get more carries than Peyton Barber. Yeah, and... I guess Barber's old reliable, you know, you trust him more in protection if you're going to throw a lot, but he's he's also a little bit better player than people might might think, and he's the type of guy coaches love, and he's hard to pull out of the game just because you trust him. But this job's for the taking, whether it's Jones or an early pick this upcoming year or top free agent. I mean, I don't think the, the running back of the future is on the squad. All right, we got one more early game to get to than the rest of the afternoon games coming up. Treat yourself to the meal you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come to you. With DoorDash, right now our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code Locked On. Talking about the AFC wildcard and how close that's been and, and how close it continues to be, and it just gets a little bit closer with the Browns beating the Bills 19 to 16. Browns now 3 and 6. Bills fall to 6 and 3. Still have a lead in that wild card, but it's getting razor thin. It is. And I don't know that any of us thought they were a 5 and 1 team or whatever they were, you know, I mean, even like DVOA and a lot of these type of things had them as a middle of the pack team. And my last power ranks I had them at probably 15, something like that. Yeah. Their defense is starting to show a little bit of holes though. I mean, that was without question, the strength, and they can get run on, and that's a big, big problem for the Bills because now they kind of showed they can lose to anyone. Um, but I give the, the Browns credit, though. It wasn't the prettiest effort, but they were smart enough to lean on Chubb as the focal point but also get Kareem Hunt and Odell and Landry spreading the ball around pretty well. I like their distribution of offense. I'm glad you brought up Kareem Hunt because I think – 
you can just really tell there there were fresh legs on Kareem Hunt, and maybe he's yeah. uh, maybe he had missed football a little bit, and so maybe mentally he was uh, had a little extra in him, and he only carried the ball four times, but those four carries got him thirty yards, seven and a half yards per carry there. Uh, just looked nice and fresh there. So that ground game and. With the way Baker Mayfield's played, and he still threw the ball 38 times in this game at a couple of touchdowns, but man, with Chubb and Hunt, uh, you got to feature that ground game as much as possible. I think the rest of the way, if you're the Browns, even though you know they're pretty much out of it at this point at three and six. Yeah, and I do think a lot of Browns fans are starting to get optimistic, and I think they should. I think they're playing their best football of the year, and even like when they played the Patriots, I thought they started to show more signs of life. But I think their hole's too big. I mean, they're three and six, and I'm not sure a nine-win team gets in in the AFC anymore, you know, with Tennessee and Pittsburgh and Oakland, some of these teams starting to win. I mean, the Browns basically have to go six and one to even be in the conversation and really need to go seven and oh to really be a playoff team. So I don't see it. Yeah, that's uphill. But at the same time, uh, it, it, this is probably, it, we're going to be talking, I bet week 16, week 17, we're going to have, our heads are going to be spinning talking about tiebreakers because there's going to be like yeah. five teams that end up, you know, in that eight, nine win situation, 10 wins gets you in, in the AFC. That's easy. That's what teams are shooting for. There's going to be a nine win team. So who's it going to be? And what are the tiebreakers going to be? Yeah. And, and there always seems like there's a team that a lot of people were really high on in the, in the off season, the preseason predicted to win divisions, things like that that start slow, and then the last half of the season, they figure it out, and they either end up as a spoiler or the team you don't want to play in the playoffs. And maybe that's (laughs) Cleveland. Yeah, it could be. I could see that being Cleveland. Figured things out at the right time, and they still have talent on that roster, that's for sure. Yeah, they got guys. Uh, Let's go to Pittsburgh and check in on those Steelers that, as we had talked about in uh, the Picks preview episode Friday, the Steelers winning puts them at five and four, and who would have thought the Rams and Steelers would have the same record uh, 10 weeks into the season after the 3-0 and start from the Rams and the 0-3 start from the Steelers, and it looks like, looked like things were falling apart. 17-12, an odd score there, the final. Yeah, odd game, too, and refs had a little bit too much to do with it, and this day it, it favored Pittsburgh in that department a little bit. I'm not saying that was the only difference. I do think Pittsburgh was the better team. But Pouncey snaps one over Rudolph's head, and right away I'm like, oh, man, the Rams are going to win this game yep. 30 to nothing. This is not their day. <laughs> yeah. But this team is re- resilient. I mean, I give Tomlin credit. I think he's coaching his butt off. I don't know where the offense comes from with this team. I mean, they couldn't run the ball at all. They had nothing resembling NFL running backs, and it really showed. But they got points. The defense scored yet again. Minka is unbelievable. The Rams are in a bad place, though. I mean, their line got manhandled by the Steelers, and Pittsburgh does that to just about everyone. I think people need to realize this is one of the absolute best defenses in the league. But Goff didn't really make plays. They couldn't really force the ball downfield. The Rams are an average football team. I almost texted you when that happened. It was the first first snap of the game, right? Just right over... Mason Rudolph said, okay, yeah, yeah. about 20 seconds into the game, you give (laughs) him three seven points. And if you take that one away, and then Mika was gifted a a fumble return for a touchdown on a really odd play that people are going to be talking about for a while, and and Rams fans not happy, and I can see why they were mad about that call. Uh, But that sort of evened it out without those two gimme touchdown plays. It was a 10-5 to game, so a weird one. But what I want to ask you about is Mika Fitzpatrick, at what point do you start to talk about him as potential defensive player of the year category? Yeah, I mean, he he not only takes the ball away every week, but he scores. I mean, 
He makes plays. He bats down passes. He makes. He's playing a lot of deep middle and allows those other ten to be really aggressive in front of him. And it was, it was since day one. I mean, it, yep. there was no acclimation process with them. They, they fit him right in. And he's in the conversation. I mean, it's tough for a safety to win that honor. But he's in that conversation in a massive catalyst on a really good defense. And one more note on the Steelers, and I don't want to harp too much on them, but they're 5-4, and four, and their four losses are against Seattle in a game where was Russell Wilson was out of this world. The Niners the Ravens and the Patriots. I mean, I know they've beaten some not so great teams and nothing they do is pretty, but the combined losses of the teams they've lost to is like, I don't know, four games or something. Right. And so you get the feeling if Big Ben was there all year long, you're, this is just your regular old Steelers playoff run, right? Right. And I do think that is a huge component of it. Obviously, they probably win one or two of those games. Like, with all respect to your Niners, who are a much better team than Pittsburgh, if they turn the ball over five times oh, yeah. against Ben, he's going to get more than three out of those. You know what I mean? Right. And and then it's probably too big of a hill for 49ers to climb. And I, I think they probably get at least two more wins with Ben. But not only are they overcoming that, but they're also overcoming playing without Antonio Brown, which wouldn't have been any different. But they don't have anybody resembling Antonio Brown. Right. And one of the things about Mika, too, is because you see the stats it's like before Mika and after Mika with deep, deep passing numbers and how the defense looked. But it's like, yeah, but before Mika, they played against Brady and Wilson and the 49ers. And, yeah, so. <laughs> right, right. That's right. something to do with it. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> sure they're going to squeak out that game in New England with Mika that they lost 49 to nothing or whatever it was. <laughs> exactly. Uh, let's see. We got one more game here. Panthers at Packers. Green Bay. Holding on to win that one at home. They've they improved to eight and two. Panthers fall to five and four, 24-16. The final. Aaron Jones, three touchdowns in that one. Yeah, he's a dominant player. Uh, I was obviously glued to the Steeler game, so I didn't watch this one as closely as I would have liked. But some things I noticed was I mean, this came down the wire. This was a fun one, but a, kind of a running back versus running back battle. Panthers almost really, you know, pulled this one out or at least made it very, very interesting. Fun end to the game. Packers still aren't throwing the ball great. I mean, that Aaron Jones is the, the the engine of that offense, which is a little surprising, but he's really, really good, and I'm glad they finally committed to this guy. I've been screaming at him to do it for three years. And their pass rush was really good. Kenny Clark was the guy I featured in this game, too. And I don't think people realize how good a player, what a force he is at defensive tackle for the Packers. He's a dominant guy sometimes. He was great in this game. I don't know if you remember when I asked you over under for Christian McCaffrey rushing yards on Friday's show at 119. He fell just shy of that with 108 yards. So still 11 shy of 1,000 rushing yards on this season, but not too shabby after 10 weeks. Right. If that's your low water mark, I mean, I know he had one other bad game, but I mean, bad game, I call it. Right. Does he have any chance at the MVP? Uh, I mean, I, it's going to be tough for him to get it over one of the yeah. quarterbacks, especially with the way, uh, you know, Wilson or it, yeah. they, they got to be a playoff team probably too. That would help him out. You know, it would have to be pretty obvious in the quarterbacks, not really have an obvious candidate. But to me, it's, it's, it's Russell Wilson's to lose right now. And who knows? Maybe we'll see him lose it on Monday Night Football. That's possible. And I also worry, I really hope it doesn't happen because he's a joy to watch. But with McCaffrey's workload and running style, if he plays 16 games, I'll be a little surprised. All right, Matt, we got to go. We'll be back tomorrow right here, the same place, Locked on NFL.